Welcome to Crowdsourcing the Revolution. I'm your host, Amanda Rice. Today, we are going to be talking about the labor dispute in the rail industry, and hopefully um, we'll have a good discussion about if there is any possibility of using this as a pivot point, this and the fact that the there's 29 ports on the West Coast currently in high-stakes negotiations with the ports. And that's a significant amount of the goods and controlling the choke points is part of the point, I think, of rallying these types of things. I'm going to send a message. All right, so I want to get us started today. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna play um, a press release from um, the unions, the collection of unions that kind of explains what's happening with the rail strike. And I'm moving slowly to give folks a chance to get over here, but let's see if this one will work. This is On late Friday, minutes. September 9th, the nation's largest railroads began warning major shippers that they are declaring an embargo on certain types of shipments five days in advance of the end of the federally mandated cooling off period. At 12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, September 16th, they further advise that all rail shippers should be blocked from making any rail shipments well in advance of next Friday's deadline for a lockout or strike. This completely unnecessary attack on rail shippers by these highly profitable Class I railroads is no more than corporate extortion. Our unions remain at the bargaining table and have given the rail carriers proposal that we would be willing to submit to our members for ratification, but as the rail carriers refused to reach an acceptable agreement, in fact it was abundantly clear from our negotiations over the past few days that railroads show no intentions of reaching an agreement with our unions, but they cannot legally lock out our members to the end of the cooling off period. Instead, they are locking out their customers beginning on Monday and further harming the supply chain in an effort to provoke congressional action. The railroads are using shippers, consumers, and the supply chain of our nation as pawns in an effort to get our unions to cave and to their contract demands knowing that our members would never accept them. Our unions will not cave into these scare tactics. Congress must not cave into what can only be described as corporate terrorism. Rather than gridlock the supply chain by denying shipments and potentially locking our members out next Friday, the railroads 
should work towards a fair settlement that our members, their employees, would ratify. For that to happen, we must make improvements to the working conditions that have been on the bargaining table since the negotiations began. For that to happen, we must make improvements to the working conditions that have been on the bargaining table since the negotiations began. Penalizing engineers and contractors for getting sick or going to a doctor's visit with termination must be stopped as part of the contract settlement. Let us repeat that our members are being terminated for getting sick or for attending routine medical visits as we crawl our way out of a worldwide pandemic. No working class American should be treated this level of harassment in the workplace for simply becoming ill or going to a routine medical visit. Sadly, the Presidential Emergency Board recommendation got it wrong on this issue. As we said from the day that they were implemented, these policies are destroying the lives of our members who are the backbone of the railroad industry. These employment policies have forced thousands of employees out of the industry and make it all but impossible to recruit new workers. With understaffed operation, these railroads abuse their best customers by refusing to provide deliveries consistent with their legal obligations. These self-appointed titans of industry complain constantly about government regulation and interference, except now when it comes to breaking the backs of their employees. It's time for the federal government to tell the CEOs who are running the nation's railroads into the ground that enough is enough. Congress should stay out of the rail dispute and tell the railroads to do what other businesses, other business leaders do. Sit down and bargain a contract that your employees will accept. Okay, so that... That's the that's the synopsis of where we are. From from the beginning of this machine kills, which is which is a podcast that I particularly like. It's on the left side of left, and um, it is from from the labor union. So here's where it is. The way that the way that labor negotiation work, the way that labor negotiations work, even though the Biden administration is saying that it's all resolved and that there isn't going to be a strike, what's happened is they've sent the agreement and the new contract that was negotiated in D.C. out to the union memberships to be ratified, and each of the ten union, the two of two unions have already ratified. There's 10 more unions that need to still ratify and they have about a month. We'll be in this process about a month because they just sent it out to them on September 16th. This is, I think the time when we need to be showing those 10, the workers of those 10 unions that we will support them to stay out as long as they need to stay out. Um, if you are on the discord, I did post, um, two links to two podcasts and uh, links to a Reuters article about the strike. Um, I think those are in the show description as well. So if you wanted to get in depth about what the whole shebang is, the reason I'm so excited about it is because there is also a whole bunch of other strikes happening. There's the mental health care workers strike here in Oakland that's still going on. 
There's nurses in Minnesota that are striking. I know there's a couple of teachers strikes that are threatening right now. And, and, and I don't, I have no idea what it looks like for those of us who are not in a union, who want to be supportive of people who are in unions that need to strike, but don't know, like, cause it, it's very isolating. And if you look at the way that all of the articles are written, it's as if they have already ratified these agreements. And these agreements do not include the fixes to the fact that they work for 350 days of the year. And the 15 days they have off, they're on call. It's absurd the kinds of requirements that they have. And, and the railroads are not budging on some of those things. And I think between this and the and the possibility of 30, 29 ports on the West Coast possibly going on strike. We have a choke point. How do we take advantage of it? There's lots of people I know that are in these spaces that know how to take advantage of it, but I don't know. I can just see it's happening. I hope there's other people that are seeing it and hopefully doing something with it. Sinway. Hi. Um, Hi. So, um, wait, is there something? I thought I heard that go. No, I don't think so. Um, all right, I guess it's gone now. Um, so, I was thinking, well, at least for my local group, because I got, because both of them are political related, but, and they're both sport unions. So, I never. I really should send it out into the, my message groups about like the idea of some kind of letter campaign. Like I meant in in terms of I meant like emails, well, both well, emails as well as those online I I wouldn't call them petitions, I call them like let the union members know right uh, to not give in and Another petition telling Congress to stay out as well. And it basically be shared mm -hmm. on social media. I'm fully for that. I'm for, I'm for everything that we can do. And any of you who are in the room that would like to contribute. I mean, I've, I've been looking at this from a couple of different angles and having been down at the nurse's or at the uh, mental health care picket line, it's been interesting to talk to the folks down there who are union folks and, and the kinds of cross-union things that don't happen in some unions just because there isn't somebody tracking it all. So there's, there, people yeah. are getting the silos. How do we, how do we, so I don't even know how it how we would do it other than contributing to a strike fund and 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 I'm not the expert so um, I'm open to ideas. Vlade, any of you who would like to come up as as speakers or callers, please please do because this is one of those um, situations where I feel so I feel so helpless when I see it so clear. Vlade. Amanda, how are you doing? I just wanted to get your take on if you were to choose, and I know you're going to say both, but if you were to choose between the health workers union, which of course is crucial, important, being of the sector of the healthcare, and that is important, and the ongoing uh, 
you know, possible strike with the, with the rail workers, which mm -hmm. one weighs heavier? I mean, not literally, but figuratively, which one weighs heavier, which one is more important? Like immediately, like, would that be the rail workers I or think, the healthcare workers? I, I think the struggle, of course, is is any worker, but I think that the there is a a pivot point, a fulcrum, a, a, a something. It feels like there's something if we can. The rail rail carries. If you look at the articles that they've published about the strike being averted, which it isn't uh -huh. technically yet averted. There's not. There's not. Contract was sent out, but it's not been ratified. So right now is when they're deciding whether to ratify it. So right now is when we need to tell them we support them. The healthcare workers have been on strike for five weeks going into six. And so their strike fund is starting to dwindle. So, but, but their strike, although it affects people in a very real way, it, I mean, if we could shut down 30%, of all the goods moving inside the United States and 40% of the imports coming in, that's, that's shutting down the economy. And which, that which is can have get you some demands. Across, yeah, yeah, which yeah. can get you demands met. Theoretic, theoretically, right? This is what they talk about is having access to the choke points of power and capital. This is that, this is an opportunity, I think, in a, in a different way than force the vote, but it's an opportunity where we could, if we could pull workers together. I mean, unions used to go on strike because other unions were on strike. When was the last time that happened? In my memory, I don't remember it ever happening. Okay. Like, I mean, I'm familiar with the unions because I belong to years ago, right? Uh -huh. uh, United Food and Commercial Workers, 770, right here on Shadow and uh, uh -huh. Place on in LA. Mm -hmm. I belong. I belong to the Teamsters, so I've always been pro-union. The thing what I've noticed is uh, the last uh, grocery workers they didn't have anything. They they kind of avoided. Uh, and I think this was last year, if I remember. I might be wrong. So I'm saying, uh, well, of course, any grocery store could go, and it's not a threat. I mean, there's other grocery chains and even the independent. But right here, we're talking about the railroad, which I would put it a little bit above, which I don't want to disrespect healthcare workers because that is crucial and that is needed. No, everybody no, no, has, agreed. You know, everybody has needs, but in regards to at least a hierarchy, if I could put it that way, you know, you shut down the whole economy because rail transportation of goods services mm -hmm. and but mostly goods coming from imported and stuff and from other parts of the country that is important that that would shut down and have an adverse effect towards other parts of the economy you know uh, including workers including yes. workers so i would say that if the government has a right to get involved and it should do its duty other than to just put its fat face up in the camera and say oh no strike it's everything's all right well no not everything's all right right things are being worked out we got to be honest about this and the Biden administration has to be held accountable and made responsible to the people to give details and to pressure both, you know, all our negotiating negotiating bodies, both, uh, you know, the union and well, but that's the private what company. But that's what they've done. That's what they've done. And what they've come up with and they say is a winning thing doesn't uh -huh. give the workers what they need. Okay. 
So that means so, they're going to go back, uh, maybe avoid strike, but go back to negotiating table and make sure what the I, worker yeah, needs. Yeah, I don't gets. know. That's that's what okay. the that's what they're going to be deciding over the next couple of weeks. Okay. Well, my love and support to them. I've been thank a union man, so I know what it is. All right. Thank you. Love to thank talk you. to you all the time. Watson. Can you unmute yourself? Hey, here we go. Watson, nice to see you today. All right, great. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I had a, a couple things. Not been in a union, uh, been in and founded a cooperative and helped other people start cooperatives, uh, work their own cooperatives, kind of my passion. So trying to um, find the intersection between this democratically formed uh like businesses and then these democratic entities that are within the business which would be the union um it seems so how how can how can there how can we support the uh people on strike the rail strike and I'm trying to brainstorm that kind of thing um is something that i definitely want to try to try to do one thing uh i think I haven't seen enough of, and I don't know if this is just even contradictory, but it seems like how do we get the non-precarious workers or people who are temporarily non-precarious, like not, not so worried about losing their job at the moment, helping the ones that are precarious, it seems like there's a lot of um, opportunity there. And um, it seems to me, with what you brought up earlier with the strike fund, uh, that's the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, something like a con contributions to strike funds. And it seems, you know, to add into that, uh, the, the blocker there, uh, hate to admit it, but for, for many people is trust when they contribute to a thing and they see that the money didn't go or the, the action wasn't implemented the way that they would want. So I have more, but I, I'll just, I'll just stop there. Please, please. You don't feel, don't feel like you have to stop there. I think we've got, I, I, I can bring you up as a speaker and I want to get to see what, if that's okay. With sure. You. Sure. And then I'll bring Fahim in and see what, how's it going for him? How's it going? Oh, oh okay. Can you hear it's me? Not, yes, I can. How are you doing today, Fahim? I'm good, good. Uh, so, um, Amanda, uh, just uh, to uh, know uh, for uh, most uh, people, uh, including myself, what is uh, what are the uh, key items or essentials that are transported by rail? That is one uh, question that I have. And uh, when you talk about uh, like supporting the strikers, is it um, uh, so aren't uh, solidarity strikes uh, considered uh, uh, to be illegal in the U.S.? I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the answer to that. With the way that unions have gone over the past forty years that might be the case but honest and it might be a state by state thing i honestly don't know the railroad okay. workers 
are a very special class of workers in this country. They have their own separate retirement system from everybody else's social security and their own special regulations around work, work requirements and things because of the railroad industry's power in this country around the turn of the last century. And um, I really would, I really would recommend the Reuters article. It's quite good, and it doesn't take the tack that a lot of the corporate media took, which is, oh, everything's good. They came up with an agreement. You know, I've been in enough contract negotiations with unions on the, on the side of the management to know that just because they've given them an offer doesn't mean that this is the end, and it doesn't mean they won't strike. If we can give them a good reason to strike and we could somehow turn that into getting Medicare for all because 30% of the goods in the United States is transported by rail. And the, and if the ports, if we could talk the port unions into coming along with it, that's 40% of the import, U.S. import that gets transported through those ports. So I feel like if there were able to be something organized to show solidarity with those workers. And I think you're right. Part of it is just reaching out to them. But I don't know anybody that works for any of those unions. I had a hard time even finding what the names of the unions were, and I was really looking for it. <laughs> so it's definitely not, it's not, a, it's not a worker's paradise online when you're trying to find information. And, and because the unions okay. are also in negotiations, they don't want to tip their hand on certain things, so there isn't a lot of information available for those of us who are trying to get information right now. No, no, more than I, you I was, wanted, okay, probably. So, well, no, no. <laughs> the, when I meant uh, by solidarity strike is like, for for example, like okay, the railway uh, folks went on solar, on a strike, then the healthcare workers to support them also go on uh, a strike. So that's what I was wondering of, like, is that? Yeah, I understand. Uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Okay. I don't know if anybody, if anybody okay. does, maybe you could put it in the, in the chat. Also, since more, more people are here now, maybe I will play the, the three and a half minute, um, the three and a half minute kind of explanation of what, what is, what is happening with the rail. Um, if I could get a thumbs up or two. Yes, go ahead. I'm going to hang up. All right. Cool. All right. So anyway, I'm going to make you the next caller. I'm going to go grab that. Again, let's see. If it's, here we are. All right. What's on your mind? Oh, I was going to ask, like, if there was any, let's say, um, is there like some petition already out uh, related Not to that the... I know of. Hmm. Maybe you could make one. Dang. Yeah, if that's the case, then that's going to have to be it. Or maybe I can ask one of the groups to make one because they probably have an account to one of those sites. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. That, so. Like through change.org or whatever. Yeah. All right, here we go. Here's, or other here's ones. the TM. Here's the This Machine Kills intro. Sorry, there's all kinds of helicopters around here right now. On late Friday, September 9th, 
the nation's largest railroads began warning major shippers that they are declaring an embargo on certain types of shipments five days in advance of the end of the federally mandated cooling off period at 12 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, September 16th. They further advise that all rail shippers should be blocked from making any rail shipments well in advance of next Friday's deadline for a lockout or strike. This completely unnecessary attack on rail shippers by these highly profitable Class I railroads is no more than corporate extortion. Our unions remain at the bargaining table and have given the rail carriers proposal that we would be willing to submit to our members for ratification. But as the rail carriers refuse to reach an acceptable agreement, in fact, it was abundantly clear from our negotiations over the past few days that railroads show no intentions of reaching an agreement with our unions. But they cannot legally lock out our members to the end of the cooling off period. Instead, they are locking out their customers beginning on Monday and further harming the supply chain in an effort to provoke congressional action. The railroads are using shippers, consumers, and the supply chain of our nation as pawns in an effort to get our unions to cave and to their contract demands knowing that our members would never accept them. Our unions will not cave into these scare tactics. Congress must not cave into what can only be described as corporate terrorism. Rather than gridlock the supply chain by denying shipments and potentially locking our members out next Friday, the railroads should work towards a fair settlement that our members, their employees, would ratify. For that to happen, we must make improvements to the working conditions that have been on the bargaining table since negotiations began. For that to happen, we must make improvements to the working conditions that have been on the bargaining table since negotiations began. Penalizing engineers and contractors for getting sick or going to a doctor's visit with termination must be stopped as part of the contract settlement. Let us repeat that our members are being terminated for getting sick or for attending routine medical visits as we crawl our way out of a worldwide pandemic. No working class American should be treated this level of harassment in the workplace for simply becoming ill or going to a routine medical visit. Sadly, the Presidential Emergency Board recommendation got it wrong on this issue. As we said from the day that they were implemented, these policies are destroying the lives of our members who are the backbone of the railroad industry. These employment policies have forced thousands of employees out of the industry and make it all but impossible to recruit new workers. With understaffed operation, these railroads abuse their best customers by refusing to provide deliveries consistent with their legal obligations. These self-appointed titans of industry complain constantly about government regulation and interference, except now when it comes to breaking the backs of their employees. It's time for the federal government to tell the CEOs who are running the nation's railroads into the ground that enough is enough. Congress should stay out of the rail dispute and tell the railroads to do what other businesses, other business leaders do. Sit down and bargain a contract that your employees will accept. Okay, so that gives you the synopsis. That was a reading of of a letter written from the unions on September 11th, so last Sunday, a week ago tomorrow, 
They did not go out on strike on the 16th because they got that um, the Biden administration's emergency board agreement. And so now the unions are in the process of ratifying or not ratifying or doing a, a, a counter offer or something. But since it doesn't address their main issue, which is the ridiculous hours they're expected to work with very little actual compensation or um, consideration for their actual lives. I mean, they, they get 15 days off a year, not 15 days plus weekends, 15 days period. And they are on call on those days. And that, that term has not been changed. Sure, they did put in a thing that you can no longer be fired if you go to a doctor's appointment, which is actually something that happened. And it's frightening <laughs> that, that, is, that that is a thing that they have to actually put into a contract. Well, I think I've done what I can to try to bring light to this issue. And I think we have a very short window here where this might be a possibility of something can happen. Derek, nice to see you. Watson, do you have anything that you'd like to contribute after hearing that? Um, yeah, I think every time I hear about some type of ask from workers, the clearest thing to me, the message that I think it would be the most effective is saying what the business entity's profit margin is, saying what the cost would be, and then saying there's no reason why we can't have this. Right. So many times people get laid off or what have you, and the business is showing a profit margin. So there's really no need for the for the layoff. And this that's something I would would like to have heard in that three minute. Um, you know, but you know, that's all. Yeah, and, and I, I highly encourage you to listen to either either uh, This Machine Kills, it's their most recent episode, or the um, Well, There's Your Problem uh, podcasts. Both do a very good job interviewing somebody who's with the rail, um, with the rail workers. And, and I agree with you. It is important to give the cost. That is one of the things that the National Union of Healthcare Workers, who's been on strike for five weeks now, have been doing, pointing out the fact that Kaiser has like a $58 billion endowment, and then also that they have an $8.1 million. Wow, you have a bird, Derek. $8.1 million profit last year, and yet they still are understaffed. And I, I think that they should... They should show the profit. They should show the cost. They should show the productivity increase because basically everybody has gotten more productive in the past 30, 40 years with no pay increase. So this should just be hammered home in the you know minutia of these, these asks. And here's the thing. When it rises to the point where it has to be, be where it becomes a public news story, it, it's gotten that they can they can no longer negotiate because they don't feel like they're getting negotiating in good faith from the the employer, and so they have then they turn to getting more attention from other people, and that's when they start to speak up and put up picket signs, and then that's when we should say to the companies, "What the fuck are you guys trying to do to these people? For heaven's sake, 
because they're counting on us to get that support. Derek, what's on your mind? I, I agree with what both of you are saying. Um, kind of ripped the uh, words out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> so I'm not going to bother, I guess, with a big part of what I was going to say, except uh, uh, I was going to say uh, the only thing is, uh, I mean, I get that they want to sound ominous, right? <laughs> it's serious issues. It impacts them personally. I get that, but I mean, did they really have to try to sound as scary as possible? Oh, that was this. That thought- was this machine kills doing their reading. They are. They are. They are a. They they like to do that. Okay, but what were they going for though? Because I mean, at the end, you might as well have ended it with cha 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 It's like right. a fucking that's, horror think- movie. Yep, I think that's what they were going for, a horror movie. That seems about right. Okay, all right, all right. They they have a sardonic sense of humor over there at This Machine Kills. It's about anti-capitalism. But I hear your criticism. It was the best synopsis I could get in the shortest period of time, so that's why I grabbed that one. No, no, I just wasn't paying close enough attention. I thought they put that... that- that out themselves the union no 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 it was i'm like what have they lost their fucking no, minds no, no, are no, they no, trying no. to it was a letter being read by the this machine Got kills you. guys yeah yeah yeah. i didn't make that clear that was that was that was my bad so so i haven't been on the union side of a negotiation i've only been on the other side of the negotiation on the manager's side because i was on a board and and so i don't know I mean, this is not, I do know this is not the time to be showing up, just like, you know, showing up in Portland when there were those um, spirited street happenings going on as a stranger. You know, you're not necessarily going to be liked by people that even would appreciate having you there if they knew you. So just showing up or trying to cold call some of these unions to try and show support, I don't think is going to work. Can we get a hold of Dolly Parton? Does anyone know Dolly Parton? Or does anybody know anybody who knows Dolly Parton? Maybe Dolly Parton would speak up for it. Yeah, she doesn't call me back. Sorry. Damn it. <laughs> but some, I mean, something, I mean, it's possible to get a message to them that they would, that they would feel like spirited by, but it's possible that that just won't work and that I'm just pie in the sky. But I don't think that it's, a bad idea to at least make an effort, which is why I have this room and why I put those articles and the links on the discord that thank you very much for setting that up. And, um, and the links are on, on the show on here. Would anyone else like to contribute any ideas or thoughts? Because otherwise I will move along to, I want to do some regular features on the crowdsourcing um the revolution and one of the things i wanted to uh, t- two things i wanted to share for today um a website which is called influencewatch.org it's a project of the quakers um and it's a profiles of 9500 public policy groups and you can go to in you can go to um, institutewatch.org and they have done profiles on 
almost 10,000 different organizations that their purpose in life is to impact public policy. Um, it's, it's an interesting project and, and I highly recommend it. And my podcast recommendation this week is the podcast, Well, There's Your Problem, about the railroad workers' labor dispute. Uh, it's about an hour and a half, and it's got the whole history of, of the railroad from 1830, where on the first day it opened in England, it ran over a politician. It was a Tory that it ran over, and goes all the way up through the labor dispute that's happening right now. So if you want to get a good idea about what's happening from the left-hand side of things, um, the tagline for, well, there's your problem, is engineering and sy systemic failures from a left perspective with jokes. So those are my two recommendations. I will be back on Tuesday for, oh no, I'll be back on Monday to do another crowdsourcing the revolution from the picket lines, or I might just record that. But next Tuesday is a regular episode of crowdsourcing the revolution. And if you have a suggestion that you would like to bring along, that's a podcast or a website that you think might be useful or other people in this room might appreciate, please bring it along because I would like to, for us to be exchanging the kinds of things that we find where we find our information. Watson. Yeah, I, I had, um, I guess, maybe a suggestion for a future podcasts, but the question for people here in the chat, what is it that would make you more trustful to donate to a strike fund? And do you think that trust is the major reason why someone wouldn't donate to a strike fund? Or is it just they don't have the money? If uh, the union leadership and its members made it very clear that they were on the side of other workers um, and were in favor of all kinds of policies that would uh, help improve the lives of other people. Yeah, that would that would def definitely help. I think maybe there's an impression out there, um, not that it's right or wrong, but I think there's a, an impression out there because everybody's kind of motivated by self-interest that uh, union members and their leadership are motivated by self-interest just like everybody else. Right. So I did a book review on Jane McAlevey, uh, the No Shortcuts book, and I read a couple of her other books. So just trying to get more familiar with unions, problems with unions, so on and so forth. And one of the things that uh, she talks about is this negotiation style where everybody's in the room. So basically, she said a fundamental problem, um, I'm going to say with trust, but she words it differently. Fundamental problem people have with um, unions would be that um, they're really a third party and they really should only be two parties. There shouldn't be employer, employee, and union. It should be employer and union. It should be only those two. Um, but what happens is when the 
whoever it is doing the negotiation, so union organizers, leaders, what have you, they go behind closed doors, all types of zany things happen, including signing contracts that say you can't strike anymore, wild stuff. But her solution is, and so even the picture that's on the front of the books is everybody's in the room when the negotiation happens. And um, so it seems like that internally is what would build trust for the union. I don't know how to project that externally to other people who want to help, which I think is what the topic here is about. Well, Watson, would you say it's, do you think it's fair to say that um, a lot of working class people on the right tend to see unions as organizations that are in bed with the Democratic Party? Um, no, from the people on the right that I know, they think unions are just corrupt in some type of association with the mob. That's what I, my experience, that's what they think. So you're, you're talking to like 80 year old people on the right. Huh? <laughs> uh, even younger people, it just, they think that they're, they're corrupt in some way. Like those unions are corruptible if it's the mob or if it's, you said self-interest, it's some type of game where they're not really helping people. And if you're dealing with, you know, I'm black, you're dealing with people who are black, they think that unions are historically racist without knowing any history, just that's mm. what people would think, um, a bunch of those things. Well, uh, yeah, uh, obviously being motivated by self-interest just makes sense. It's just what I'm saying is that it seems like maybe there's an impression, maybe, right? I'm asking really, it, an impression out there that uh, they're only motivated by self-interest and don't have any sort of real interest in improving the lives the conditions of the country or you know anything even if they do the impression seems to be maybe that they're selfish i guess yeah i mean it's propaganda i mean she jane mcalevy job of talking about union busting and all of this propaganda that's put in like it's not true um, well, well, one of the things people on the right, you brought up the right, one of the things people on the right will think of, uh, well, man, it's mandatory and they'll force you to pay dues in, in these ways. And that's the way that the context is, is put. And, and that's kind of how I thought too. And, you know, just not ever knowing anything about it. And then Jane McAleve is, you know, when you have a, when you have a mayor and you vote and you have to pay taxes, it's like saying that your local municipality is forcing you into something uh, when you pay taxes locally and all that stuff. But you, it's not true because you have the ability to vote for the mayor and you don't really, it's not even framed that way. You don't even think of it that way. Like, oh, I live in a tyranny and I'm forced to do this stuff. So um, yeah, it's propaganda. And I think even going back to the to the to the old union thing, well, well, if you don't like unions, you must not like a weekend or a forty-hour work week. Except, here's the thing: that's not a thing anymore for a hell of a lot of people. And you know why? Because union membership and the number of unions has gone through the floor. 
So these are arguments without a real basis in anything except propaganda. So I appreciate what you what you said there, Watson. And I, I mean, the, since the 1980s, since Reagan broke the air traffic controller strike, it's been, you know, unions are not seen as good until much more recently. Thank you, Bernie Sanders, even if it's just kind of a side glow off of him for the union and the workers. But I, I suspect it's more than just having a little bit of the shadow of his spotlight. But um, I think that's all I've got to say. I want to recognize all of y'all for being here. I really appreciate you coming out and and really spread the word because I I really I really think that if if you think about the number of people, so there's 115,000 people in these unions with the rails. Every single one of them is going to have to make a decision of whether or not to ratify this deal that was put to the unions through this presidential board thing that doesn't give you what you want. And they've not had a contract, I think, in three years now. They've been working without a contract. I, I, I really just, this is the time that each of them is gonna be sitting down and trying to figure out whether they can afford to go on strike, go without a paycheck, whether they wanna go into another line of work because then we also don't have them as part of the game anymore if they go and get a different job and then they're no longer a member of the union. But if the union's not going to protect them from these ridiculous kinds of working conditions, what good is the union? Did I just talk in a circle? I think I did. I want to thank you all for being here. Do you want to say anything to you want to say anything to close out, either of you two? No, just thank you, Amanda. I guess maybe an idea for another show would be how about uh the re-education of Vlad. <laughs> Devote an entire show to Vlad. <laughs> what do you think, Vlad? All right, Monica, you have something you'd like to, to contribute before we close out here today? Hi. You're unmuted, but I can't hear you, my friend. I can't hear you, Monica. Maybe she'll be back. It's been a little bit buggy. I will say people say this app is pretty buggy, but I think it's pretty frigging amazing what we're able to do in this app that I couldn't ever imagine doing before. Uh, I hate this app. I'm a developer, so I hate this app. If we could totally make a better one than this one. Go ahead, Monica. Sorry. Yeah, you can hear me now? I can, please. What's on your mind? Okay, great. Yeah, I just want um I just wanted to ask um I'm, I think I saw a tweet by Nick about this real role and you guys been discussing this even though my phone keeps dying, I had to come in and out. I just wanted to ask a a small question. What can I as an individual do to support those real um it's a real-world workers. What can I do? 
why can't I say to other people? Because I think those guys gonna need a lot of support because for what I gather, the reason why U.S. and the working force in the United States is so disempowered is because the guy named Reagan uh, basically uh, got it, um, the the unions, right? He disempowered workers and he really make a mockery out of the workers. And I see like the capitalist class, it seems like they are getting more emboldened um, to try to cross anybody that trying to threaten their the power. And I think like those, that union, the real, the real role, I don't know if I'm saying that right with my negative English here, uh, workers, honestly, they're going to need like sol- solidarity from the masses of people. That's, that's all I wanted to add. Yep, I completely agree, and I'm not even sure the best way to do that. So please, if anybody has any ideas, please send them up, because this is this is one I feel like, you know, maybe I'm just going through this week is that kind of week, but I was feeling really not that great about life yesterday, and then I was listening to these podcasts about the rail workers' strike and reading the articles of propaganda from corporate media, All you have to do to see what would happen is read what those articles say about what it just puts it, what would have happened, except that that is still possibly the case. I think if somebody who was convincing enough had a conversation, we could maybe get a general strike out of this. But I don't even know who those people are, who that might. I feel like we are so leaderless on the left. (laughs) And that may not be the case. It may just be I'm looking in the wrong direction. So I I appreciate everyone who's here because I'm looking in your direction. Rudy, you want to say one thing before we close out here, sir? I want to give you a moment. What's up? How are you doing, Amanda? Hi, Rudy. This is hey, all your so... fault. You do realize this is all your fault, right? That time you went <laughs> to Amy Klobuchar's fault? office. It's all your fault. If you hadn't gone to Amy Klobuchar's office that one day. Yeah. Then, um, you know, I wish... So, where are we now, um, Amanda? Surely we're not giving up on this. What's the next step, Captain? So, the next step is okay. I'm keeping my eyes on, on where there might be strike funds to, to put up, and I'll put those up on the Discord. I've already put a thread on the Discord for the rail stuff. And, and okay. I will, okay. as, oh. I, as I find the strike funds. Now, the interesting thing, I, I would like to talk to some, some actual human beings who have experience with strike funds, because what I'm hearing from the people on the NUHW strike is there are multiple strike funds. There's strike funds that are at the union level, and then there's strike funds at like the different location levels, I guess, that are being contributed to by, I don't know, different people than are contributing to the, like I think nationally people are contributing to NUHW, but I get I get the feeling that, the, that there's some local funds that local people are contributing to instead of at the union level. So I don't know what kind of strike funds. They're not even on strike yet. 
Right now, all we need to do, we don't even need to encourage them to go on strike. We just want to let them know that they can, that we're here to support them if they need to, because they should ask for what they need. They have the power to do it. They shut down the country in 1870. So uh, do we have somebody on the inside? Do we have a, a spy Not in the yet. inside? Not yet. You know somebody, Rudy? Can you go down to the Can you go down to the train yard and like find somebody? Because I don't I don't even know how to meet these people. <laughs> Do they have a call in, but that it's for rail fans? Because that's who we. Oh, that's it. You know who You know who the biggest fanboys are of anything in the world? Rail fans are rabid. I bet you. Ooh, I bet that's the end. This is why I love these conversations. Rail fans are rabid. If you've ever met somebody that is a rail fan, you do mm -hmm. definitely know. And a lot of them are in these unions. <laughs> a lot of the people that work for the railroad are working for the railroad because they love the railroad. <laughs> so that's maybe that's the end. Shit, I wish my father-in-law was still alive. He was such a big rail fan. He would know exactly who to call. <laughs> Damn it. There you go. I mean, if uh, let's not hang up and let's not close the room yet because somebody might think of something, Amanda. That's what I do. I just leave the room open and then it just sort of gets filled with ideas when I come back. <laughs> Rudy, but that's your room. I don't want to take over your room structure. <laughs> but, no, that's, no. but that's... But if you would like to open a room or if somebody else would like to open a room, I'm happy to send people over there because because I do want to close this one so that I can so that I can publish it so people can hear it if they want to later. And and I definitely yeah. would continue conversation yeah. with anybody that would want to continue a room. So so are you are you volunteering or Derek or anybody? Yeah, I'm volunteering for the next 15 minutes and then two hours from now. Okay. <laughs> so you heard everybody. You heard him, everybody. <laughs> really do. So what about Marco? Marco, why don't you start a room? Huh? He's being all quiet down there. All well, right. Well, yeah. So you close the win uh, the room, Amanda, and I'll yep. open a, a room. Somebody else has a Wonderful. problem. Thank you again, yep. everybody, for coming. And make sure you subscribe so you can get the notification for the next show.